Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Mike Maniscalco. And you're listening to the Tracking the Storm podcast. Thank you, Mr. Maniscalco, and welcome back. It's another week here at the Tracking the Storm Podcast. My name is Brandon. That is my buddy Matt. It's All Star Break, man. No hurricanes hiking for the next nine days. If the All Star festivities are your kind of thing, I honestly haven't even watched the last couple of years. To be totally up, or to be totally honest. Um, but if that's your thing, you will at least get a little bit of a fill of hockey uh, to watch over the next week. But no actual NHL games coming for the next nine days. Um, the Hurricanes are going into the break on a, what, seven-game winning streak. Last night, they had a nationally televised beatdown of the Buffalo Sabres. Pinch me. Didn't see that it, one coming. And then the and game, a game that, that I have to add, and, and a game that the entire pregame and broadcast seemed to be cheering for the Sabres. I know it's such a Canes fan thing to say. Uh, such a good you know, test for them. Let's see if this offense works against a team like the Canes that just right. played so good and they score five goals and totally shut Right, down. well, there's also, you know, like, there's also Paul Bissonnette starting, like, a Sabres chant during the pregame. There's, you know, mm. them constantly bringing up how good Tage Thompson is, which he's great. But again, it's like it's a national broadcast and I'm sitting there like, can I mute this and still enjoy the game? And last night, the answer was yes. It was a great game, but my God, I hate national broadcasts so much. They do tend to, I mean, I just don't understand. Like the Hurricanes are like the second best team in the league. You'd think you'd never be able to tell based on how they get covered. Right. Like you'd think there'd be more kind of it's because points are sexy, man. That's literally what it comes down to. And you know what? This is actually something that I thought about like a couple of weeks ago and I never brought it up to you and and I kind of regretted not. So I I actually think this is a good place for us to start today. If Sebastian Ajo, he's he's the easiest example. If he played for another team or or even if the Hurricanes had a different coach that had a different system here. How many points do you think he would score? Do you think you would see like a big difference? Because like, okay, look at Tage Thompson. Look at how many freaking points he has this year. I don't think he's a better player than Ajo. And I just think the Hurricanes are such a defensively sound team first and foremost that I think there's an argument to be made that guys like Svechnikov, Natchez, um, and Ajo, maybe their production suffers ever so slightly. I don't think it would be a huge difference 
But I think if they played in a different system that focused more on offense, I think those guys would put up at least a point a game. Aho especially. I mean, he's already a point a game player here. But do you think we would see a significant difference if he did play for a different team? There, I think there's a difference between being defensively minded and just being good defensively, you know? Yeah. The, the Hurricanes are a team that just happens to not require, but pretty much require their players to be solid two-way players. And that's the system that Rod wants his players to be as useful in the, in the defensive zone as they are in the offensive zone. I think that's fair. And that's why we see guys like Kokaniemi that like have been awesome defensively this year and guys like Sveshnikov have taken huge steps. And we see all these young players mm-hmm. that become very, very good defensively. Yeah, and I I think, you know, if the Hurricanes were in a different market, they'd also be getting more Selkie votes because of the way they play. Um, Jordan Stahl having not won one in his career is the most ridiculous thing. It's I, wild, yeah. I don't get it. But I was going to continue and say – the way the hurricane system works is they create scoring chances based on quantity and not quality. Whereas a team like the Sabres, they thrive on those, you know, breakdowns. I saw a tweet and I thought it was funny. I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody was like, this Boston fan was like, Oh, you guys are just a cycle team anyways. I'm like, that's a, that's an insult. (laughs) Cycle team just beat the hell out of you. And showed that it's a damn good system to play in the NHL. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. Right. So, like, the Hurricanes game is, isn't is focused on individuals as much. You know, like, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a great example of where, you know, they've got a lot of guys who are individually talented. And, you know, Connor McDavid could just do it all by himself, you know. But I think the Hurricanes are a team that, you know, focuses more on team scoring. They've built up that depth scoring. And, you know, that's something that's going to be huge in the playoffs. Like, you know, we had Jesperi Kokaniemi with two assists. I think Chatfield had one or two. Stepan had a goal. Mason had an assist. Like, th- those contributions from up and down the lineup matter more when the games matter more, if that makes sense. I don't know. For me, I don't care about regular season results. I want to. I want to see playoff results at this point. Right, and that's kind of where the Canes are at right now. They've been an elite team really for four or five years now, or at least the last couple have definitely been in the elite tier. But the last two, for sure, they've fizzled out earlier than you would have hoped uh, in the postseason. So that again is going to be when they have to prove they can continue to play this style and continue to dominate in the way they're doing even against elite teams right now I mean that Boston game was just decimation from start to finish like that team's in a little bit of a rut like Boston's like they're in a really rough stretch of schedule where they had to play like the Leafs the Lightning and the Panthers who are starting to pick it up a little bit and the Hurricanes like all in a row um but I mean still start to finish the Hurricanes absolutely dominated that game no notes (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's really funny how, you know, remember when we all had that, like, mini freak out a couple weeks ago when the Canes had lost, like, four in a row? I thought this stat was insane. The Hurricanes tweeted this today. I just thought it was wild. Since December 1st, the team is 22-3-3. and Best record in the NHL. And 
four of those losses have come in a row in, in that one little stretch. <laughs> the goal is not to win the president's trophy, right? The goal is to win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, even if the Bruins kind of struggle a bit, I, I don't think the Hurricanes are going to catch them for the president's trophy. I'm not that worried about it personally. Like, you know, the whole nice yeah, there's all like, but. It would be nice, but, you know, it's not something I'm like, the Canes need to have that. The thing they need to have is the Stanley Cup. But I'm noticing, like, you know, Andrew Schnicker, shout out to him, tweeted last night that the Hurricanes are 13-0 and this season in games where either Sebastian Ajo or Jacob Slavin has been missing. And that is huge for the Hurricanes. Because those are, those are your two best players. Yeah. Your defensive leader and your offensive leader, and when they go down, the team, it just seems like other guys just step up and know they have to take on a bigger role, and it speaks exactly. to this team. Like We talked a lot about Jalen Chaffield lately, but I'm going to heap some more praise on the guy. He, like, He's not been even remotely out of place as a literal first-pairing defenseman. Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? It it is. It's crazy, and it shows what kind of luxury it is to have him on that third pairing. Somebody brought up to me they wondered what his price tag was starting to look like because the longer Slavin's out, the more he continues to play like this. It's almost like, damn, is he going to want a bigger opportunity? Is he going to want more money? Is he going to want to go somewhere where he can shine more? I hope that's not. Well, the- he's got another year. He does on his contract, does. so right. I'm not as worried now. Right, but hell, man, he's starting to look like a guy you want to keep around. For sure. For sure. I don't disagree. I mean, the Hurricanes' backbone has been their defense for so long, and, like, the speed, the edge he plays with, the physicality, even though he's not, like, a huge hitter, every time he goes in the corner, he puts a body on somebody. And, like, bigger guys, I I think it was Alex Tuck last night that he – I almost feel like it was on one of the goals. It's kind of hard to remember exactly, but he had a pretty big collision behind his own net with Alex Tuck, and he took the probably the front end of it. But he got the puck out, and I'm pretty sure the Hurricanes ended up scoring shortly thereafter. Like, the guy just does so many little things right, and then along with his speed, his growing offensive confidence, and his defensive IQ, like, <laughs> you look at those, like, cards that, uh, you know, Don Lashusen and people put out, his surplus value's got to be, like, five, six million at least. <laughs> According to those player cards, and – you know, obviously you can't view players on a spreadsheet. You can't view players. Analytics are used to basically be a reference point. Check and you see obviously... if you're already kind of eye test. I-, I use them to check what my eyes are telling me kind of thing, if that makes sense. And to see if you're missing something or if maybe the analytics are wrong in a sense. So Chatfield's current market value, according to Dom is $3.9 million, which is $3.1 million more than he is making currently. It's still a good second-pairing defenseman value. Yeah, and his usage is actually really low. I feel like the more he plays, that number would (laughs) – if he stays in this role for a while, which he's obviously not going to, Slavin will probably be back once the All-Star breaks over. But if he were to stay in this role, that would probably be a lot higher by the end of the year. Yeah, next next week it should be a tad bit higher. I mean, this is obviously an average – um, expected goals, you know, his expected goals are higher. He does take a lot of penalties, which is something he's low in. And obviously he hasn't had a whole lot of points, um, which is the big 
you know, totally. thing. But he's he's bringing a lot of value to the table. He's currently playing like, you know, a decent second pairing defenseman, at least in terms of his value. And I think that's, you know, pretty good considering he's currently making, you know, just above league minimum. Right. All right. Um, so we talked about the Boston game a little bit. The Kings game, man, we should at least briefly talk about this because it, it's a continuation of a trend that we saw on bookending that Boston Bruins game of the Hurricanes really not playing well and then like down big late all of a sudden saying, okay, we're going to win the game now. <laughs> and just like absolutely rolling their opponent and all of a sudden they've got these like crazy comebacks, the cardiac canes, right? Um coming through Throw back to that moment. Yeah. Seriously. Um I was at that LA Kings game. Uh the last game I had been to before that was the Arizona Coyotes game, which they lost four to nothing. So oh, and I missed the first period. So when the Hurricanes were up one to nothing, I got there after that. So when that second period happened and LA scored four straight goals, I was going to give up and just leave and stop spending money on going to games. <laughs> Imagine I had left in that second period. I would have been absolutely devastated. Anyway, obviously we know the story by now. The Hurricanes score three unanswered in the third period. Um, just played pretty much flawless hockey and then went in overtime on a Sebastian Ajo. Beautiful power play goal, which actually is something we should probably talk about. The power play is really figuring it out, man. And I think one of the big reasons why is Brady Shea. Yeah, moving him to the power play, I, I think he's just a better playmaker. He's, and his he's, shots go on net. On he's like getting the Brett puck Pesci. And the flow of the offense when he gets the puck is so good. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest complaint with Brett Pesci. He caught a pass, and he sat there, and he thought about it for a second, and then he moved the puck. And that slows down the timing. It slows down the flow. It allows the, de- the defense to settle back into their box. When Brady Shea moves the puck, it's on and off his tape. He like he gets a pass to him, and immediately it's on the move. And Tavo Terabonin's huge power play goal in that comeback against the Kings was a great example of that. Sveshnikov yep. gave it to Shea, one-touch pass, one-timer Terabonin. That's how you move the box side to side. That opens up shooting lanes. It opens up seam passes. Little stuff like that, the Hurricanes have not had. So Brady's yeah, impact there has been gigantic to me. I also think, you know, you have to think about the fact that, you know, Sebastian Ajo is just playing out of his mind right now. He's got nine goals in his last six games. Oh, um, he's He's been held pointless once in his last 10 games, which is crazy. 13 points overall. Tired. Um, How is Marty Nietzsche not an all-star? Wired. How is Sebastian Ajo not an all-star every year? Yeah. I mean, I think Sveshnikov is a big name as well because obviously the lacrosse goal and stuff. It's great to see Um, him get a chance to go. Oh, yeah. I I won't argue that. Um, But, you know, Nietzsche is also currently on a five-game point streak with six points. He's been great. Um, Really it's the whole team right now is playing out of their mind. Um, you've got four lines rolling. You've got three defensive pairs contributing. Hell, Calvin DeHaan scored against San Jose. Like, granted, probably was not a goal that Reimer should have given up, but who gives a shit? It happened. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the defense, Brent Burns is playing out of his mind and not just offensively, like the points and goals are there right now. But that against the Bruins, his penalty killing was ridiculously good. Like, yeah. he was almost single-handedly breaking up every single attempted entry. He he was just a beast that entire game. He was a huge reason they were able to build that momentum and stymie any opportunity for the Bruins and their elite power play to build any. Um, and one other guy that we have to mention, Jordan Stahl has been a man on a freaking mission really this entire season. But those last couple of games, especially before the break, like he won 17 out of 19 faceoffs against the Kings, which is just little absurdity. Or no, that was against the the Sabres, excuse me. Against the Kings, he was 16 out of 22, which is 73-ish percent, which is also absurd. And in overtime of that game, he won three face all, all three of the faceoffs he took. Like Rod kept putting him out there every time there was a whistle. He got the Hurricanes possession. And literally in that OT, the Hurricanes had the puck almost the entire time. I think Anderson had to make one tough save on a, a – might have been like Fiala cutting across the crease – or the slot, excuse me. Um but Jordan Stahl just kept winning faceoffs. The Hurricanes kept getting possession. Eventually, it led to a penalty and a power play goal. So he's made so many big plays lately. I mean, like you said, it's the entire team, but the leaders of this team, the guys you really got to count on, have really stepped up lately. And and funny you mentioned Stahl. He's on a three-game point streak right now and has six points in his last six games. I, and Jesperi Kokaniemi has – four assists in his last four games. He's playing very well as well. It's really the whole team. That assist Dylan, Burns was incredible. Oh, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I want to see more of that from him. And I think, you know, as he gets more comfortable and I think just as he continues to develop and grow, he's going to make more of those plays. We've I also want to say flash. Dylan Coglin since the Dallas game has been good. Yeah, yes. He he's made defensive plays. Like I, mm-hmm. I tweeted about it last night against the Sabres. Like, I can't remember. It was like one of their big players and he like made a really good defensive one-on-one play. might've been took again. And he just stood him up, stripped the puck, got it going the other way. I was like, damn. And he's always had the ability to get his shot through, which is a big weapon because he does have a great shot. But I, you know, it's something we talk about a lot. You know, it's tough to get too high and too low on these guys that don't play. And like, he was making so many backbreaking mistakes that it was kind of hard not to be like, all right, this guy's got to go. But now with a little bit more of extended playing time, all of a sudden it looks like he's starting to settle in and be the player that we thought he had a chance to be. So, I mean, who can you like point out and say is playing poorly lately? Like I made the joke last night, the Hurricanes, this all-star break maybe isn't really coming at the best time. I'm not sure this team wants to stop playing the role they're on right now. Um, but obviously, you know, that was mostly said in jest because it's good for them to get some rest. It's a long NHL season. And I, I have full faith in them being able to pick it back up after the all-star break. But, you know, there's so many guys in rhythm right now. It's just, <laughs> you're not sure you want to see them stop playing. The one guy that you do kind of, you know, is fighting the puck ever so slightly is Svechnikov. So hopefully his opportunity to go to, you know, I say that, but he's got eight assists in the last eight games. He's taking a ton of shots. He's getting a ton of chances. He's playing well. The puck's just not going in for him. That's really it. And I, I said last night, I think it's like, if he just gets one to go in, I actually think I said this to my dad. I don't think I tweeted it. But if he just gets one to go in, I feel like he's going to score like 10 in 10 games. Like the way he's playing, he's going. He's not getting like too discouraged, even though he's probably a little frustrated. 
it's just everything but score time and time again. Yeah, I, and I think with Svetch, you know, he's he's a player that has shown remarkable resilience throughout his his time as a Hurricane. He'll be fine. Yeah. Um, there's nobody on this team that I could argue has been bad lately. Paul Stasny has gone on an offensive explosion. And he's playing lately. really well in both ends, too. It's not just yes. his offense. Defensively, he's been really good, too. Yeah, I'm more just bringing it up because who would have thought, you know? <laughs> so, so Brandon, I guess now is a good time to to ask. I guess, what are the questions we have about this team? Or are there any right now? So, I mean, we, we talked about doing this as a segment beforehand, and there was one I definitely had in mind, but but two things I, I'm going to talk about here. Um, the first thing is obviously, I'll get the easy one out of the way. What, if any, moves are they going to make? Um, we've kind of hinted at this a little bit, obviously, with the cap space that's opened up with Max Pacioretty. Um Every passing game, it seems like their urgency to make a move is probably going to get lesser and lesser because this team is dominating right now. Um, but at the same time, like if you want to maximize your chances of winning a Stanley Cup, like you have the ability to do so. Like this team could fit in a pretty substantial player with their cap room, um, with the move to long term injured reserve for Pacioretty. So do they go after somebody? You know, obviously we could talk about the Bo Horvat trade. Um, I, I actually, did actually want to bring that up when you finish. Yeah, yeah, me as well. So, so we'll get into that in a minute. Um, <clears throat> obviously he's off the board now. Is there another goal scoring winger? Even like if you want to keep Kokaniemi on the second line role, is 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 there somebody out there that you think could plug in that would fit with this team that isn't going to cost you Scott Morrow or maybe even Jamison Reese? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes, of course. Um, throw that one in there, but I, I think there's still a chance they at least add that you know a Gavrikov type. That's a name that you've brought up to me a couple of times. So they could look to add maybe an upgrade over Dehan on that third pairing. But even Dehan, I don't think he's playing poorly. So it's it, and it's not pressing, you know. Nobody's playing poorly. I think I think the Canes are just looking for depth just in case they get a matchup and such and such player matches up against this team better or somebody goes down. You don't want to have to pull from the AHL, you know, Brendan Smith, fine, last but... Brendan Smith last year was a guy that they, you know, depending on the matchup, a lot of nights he was the healthy extra, but if they wanted a little bit extra physicality in the lineup, you insert Smith. That was the yeah. guy that you, and, and then in the playoffs, they ended up using him a lot because they wanted that grit. So you brought up Horvat, and I actually had a question about that. And I think now's probably as good of a time as any to bring it up just while the topic is fairly fresh. Did the Islanders do the Hurricanes a favor by acquiring Bo Horvat? And what I mean by that is, hear, hear me out. Here's the reason why I think they did, all right? I think they did the Hurricanes a favor by not letting Boston or oh. Toronto or another good team acquire a legitimate second, maybe even first-line center. Okay, that's, that's a good way of looking at it, to be honest. And But the thing is, I, I sent this to you. I think it was actually Dom LeShusen that tweeted it. It's like, hey, they picked up a good piece for them to flip when they're officially out of playoff contention in a couple of weeks. I don't think Lou does that. I don't think, I don't think you, you spend that much to acquire him and not 
sign him. Yeah. You're probably... Otherwise, what the hell did you get him for? You literally just traded for him so you could have, what, like, 10 games of Bo Horvat? But why would Horvat even want to re-sign there is my thing. Like, their farm system sucks. Like, they just... I, I don't know. It just uh, the move didn't make sense to me at all from any side. It like, doesn't make sense to me either. But here's the thing: Jim Rutherford is in charge of the Canucks, and Lou Lamorello's like. I I just think that this is a deal that makes no sense. This it, it does not make sense. I, I think it's good for the Canucks getting that first round pick in either of the drafts, whether it's you know this year, whether it's next year's draft. Like either way, getting. As many draft picks as you can is good. That's a positive. Good for them. Getting Aturatu, eh, he's okay. He's not going to be a premier prospect. He's not a blue chip prospect by any means. Probably a third liner at the NHL that's got a little scoring touch to me. Yeah. He, 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 he may hit 40 points. Yeah. He plays a heavy game. He's going to be an okay NHL. Maybe play on the power play yeah. to score some goals. But like that trade, this is where the Canucks fumbled the bag. Well, First here, Beauvillier, all, I think Beauvillier could net them a couple extra picks at this year's deadline, especially since he has an extra year. Some maybe, team's going to be looking to add that cheap middle six depth. Maybe, and maybe the Hurricanes could go for a guy like that. I don't know. But look, this this is this is where I think the Canucks fumbled the bag. A, you traded him over a month before the deadline. So you kind of didn't give the opportunity for a bidding war to really commence. Like the Hurricanes, maybe they would have got back on, you know, the um, they're back in on him at some point. Maybe they would have put a guy like Jarvis on the table. Again, that's totally – I don't know if that would have happened or not, but, like, you never know. Some team could have upped the ante at some point, and they never gave the opportunity for that to happen. And I think some rival GM even said that. They were like, they just zeroed in on that and didn't even, like, give the opportunity for a bidding war to commence. And when you have an elite – you're when you're in such a bad spot and you have an elite chip like that, why would you not try to maximize your return? You know, and, and then Bovillier, fine player, like you said, decent middle six piece. You get a first round pick, but even that's lottery re- protected. And the Canucks are, I mean, uh, the Islanders are probably not making the playoffs in this year's Metro, so your pick's going to roll over to next year. And then yeah, but it, if they if they finish, you know, in the last spot out. Like if they miss the playoffs by like a point or two, that pick's probably in like the thirteen to sixteen range, which is not protected. It's only top twelve protected. Oh, the top. Yeah, you're right. It was top twelve. That's true. It wasn't total lottery, so you're right. So and I guess I guess the reason why I'm skeptical about like the they didn't let people have a bidding war thing is like I feel like team executives go out of their way to make other teams look bad when the pub when they make a decision that is unpopular perfect example and we brought this you brought this up on the podcast a couple weeks ago is steve eiserman saying you're you're gonna have to ask them why they were comfortable with that when they traded for (laughs) alex and velkovich and that would work out for him sometimes teams just go out of their way to be dicks sometimes it's not our turn to talk and yeah, and team executives will go out of their way to pile on a franchise anonymously because they're not going to get in trouble and it's going to make another team look bad. And I think the Canucks, I, I have to think they 
looked around the league and were like, we're probably not going to get anything better than this offer. I think by moving the trade closer to the deadline, the price is going to lower. Actually, I don't think the price would have ever increased. I mean, there, there's there's an argument there because like you're getting him for longer, but yeah. It's true. Well, that and I don't think teams would be keen on getting rid of an NHL player that close to the playoffs. Okay. You know, like teams are all about that chemistry. And if you get rid of player A to bring in player B, player B has less time to adjust to the culture and you've disrupted the room and all this bullshit, you know, but like, I I think the Canucks did okay there, but I I just wanted to ask if the Hurricanes were done a favor. And I think they were. I I, I think so too. Um, I I think it it is a good thing. He ended up in New York. He is kind of a Hurricanes killer though. So, you know, I'm kind of circling any Islanders games in the future because God forbid they start stealing points from the Hurricanes, but you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. My last thought here, um, <laughs> I just want to throw it out here. I can't believe, like, it, it, this makes, the, the part that makes this so weird to me is that they were reportedly, and, and again, this was just a rumor, just what we kind of heard at the time, but if they were really trying to get Martin Natchez from the Hurricanes in this deal, along with, like, other stuff that we, you know, heard rumors about, it was apparently Nietzsche's plus sweeteners from what I heard, like, and not like small sweeteners. It just, that's what's so mind boggling to me. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. It, it was just, the whole situation seemed kind of weird to me, but it'll be interesting to see how things shake out on Long Island with Bo Horvat and the New York Islanders. I think that my favorite NHL team should trade their bad players and prospects for another NHL team's good players and prospects. I think that's a good idea. I, I think we should trade like the rights to Dominic Bach for Dylan Larkin. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so now we, we kind of got off on a side tangent there or a little side quest for us to complete here. It's the all-star break. We got to, you know, we're, we're all gonna... NPCs on this podcast anyways. Right, we got to find some, uh, Find some other stuff to do. What are you doing over the All Star break, man? You got any plans? Uh, <laughs> just work. <laughs> I'm getting dinner with my family at one point. I, oh, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> the All Star, the All Star break. Like, I don't think I've watched an All Star game or any of the festivities since like 2017. Yeah, it's been a minute. I, I think the last thing I remember is watching Jacob Slavin win the accuracy shooting competition. Like, I don't think I've watched anything else, really. You know what? It was 2017 because I wanted to see Snoop Dogg. <laughs> okay. Nice. And that's when he DJed, and then all the people were pearl collecting about how we played uncensored music. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Dog. He's high as shit. He didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> He's just vibing. He, he just survives yeah. on vibes alone, and I appreciate that. Seriously, that's what I appreciate about him. Um, so like my personal, personal news for the day, you, you know, and, and, and I will say, I, I do think the chances of me watching a little bit of it, at least this year, are heightened just because Svechnikov is like my favorite player in the freaking league. And I, I might kind of want to see how he does in that environment. But um, so I restarted Sons of Anarchy. 
Okay. I'm very excited about it. Because every time I restart the show, I remember this is like my favorite show ever, dude. Have you watched The Last of Us at all? No, uh, I've also not watched this week's episode of Bad Batch. Uh, but yeah. Mm. Anyway. Speaking of TV or movies and shit, I'm getting Elise to finally watch the Lord of the Rings movies with me. I've been trying to get Phoenix to watch it as well. Um, so we're we're about halfway through the two towers right now. I was gonna say is, the thing is it's like nine hours, maybe even so, more. So what we've what we've done, what we've done is we're like, all right, we'll go in thirty minute segments, <laughs> and if you want to continue for another thirty after that, we can. But you okay. don't have to. I was going to say, 30 seems a bit small, but at least you have the option in there. Right, like, you can continue if you want to. And today, we we finished the fellowship and then got about halfway through the two towers. That's positive. That's good. But, yeah. So, I'm (laughs) very happy. Two towers might be my favorite, man. Like, the fight scene in that just... It's it's my favorite of the three movies. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, the extended edition of Return of the King makes that movie a whole lot better. They cut a lot of really important scenes out of that one. I might have to check that out because it's been so long since I saw it. I remember when we went to it's watch on it. HBO Max. Yeah, and I have each HBO Max, so so I'll definitely check that out. Again, we have been watching The Last of Us, and like I said, I restarted Sons of Anarchy, but uh, I, I want to make time for that. It's just it, because of how long they are. I think it's such a hard one to just get started on, but maybe if I do, it'll it'll get we'll get through it anyway. Um, I do remember, I can't remember which movie it was. It might've been Return of the King. We went, like my entire family went to see it in the theater and I slept through like the entire thing. <laughs> I was like 11 or 12. <laughs> wow. But I've seen them. I know I've seen them all still, but uh, I, I definitely want to go back and rewatch it. I, I mean, I got so much movie and TV stuff I, I need to get to. Like I finally got through the Marvel movies after, you know, years. I still, I still haven't. They're great, man, and and I I love Moon Knight, like the most recent or one of the more recent like series that came out. Uh, well, I was about to spoil stuff, so I guess I shouldn't do that. But uh, there's, I don't know, I I really enjoyed those. And next, I want to get to the Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, you haven't watched it yet? I haven't seen the Mandalorian. No, it's fun. It's it's like a star. It's like Star Wars meets like a western. Right, it, and it's, it's Pedro really Pascal. Big. So like internet, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's seriously like just really good all around. All right. That was our uh pop a little tangent. Uh, <laughs> should, I guess I should ask my question about the canes. Yes, you should in just a minute. But first, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network, so we're going to take just a quick minute and get a word from today's sponsor. This time of the year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time it's pretty unrealistic. I mean, speaking from experience, the gym right now is way too overcrowded and it really just discourages me from going. Or maybe you wanted to extend dry January just a little bit longer, but your friends going downtown this weekend, it just felt too right, so you had to go meet them down there. But I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. For me, I'm having to use my apartment gym, so they're perfect for me just going in there and trying to get a quick workout in. This helps me stay in there a little bit longer and knock out a couple more reps. Or while I'm sitting at work at my job, I literally have my Raycons in all day, every day, sitting at my desk, 
So they've become an integral part of my day-to-day life. Whether you're looking for a new pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you will with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. So get like me and try out Raycon earbuds. They got three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions. You can choose either noise isolation or awareness mode. And plus, the all-day battery life will allow you to, like me, sit at your desk all day long and not have to worry about not having music, podcasts, or whatever other media you choose to listen to. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. All right, guys, now back to the show. And we're back. We're back. (laughs) <laughs> All right. What is your big question facing the Hurricanes in the second half, but not really second half of the season post All Star break? This does feel like the second half of the season, though. Can we can we agree on that? It's like like the All Star break always feels like the halfway point of the year, right? And it's not. It's like the sixty three percent mark of the year, basically. But you're like two thirds of the way done with the season. You're five eighths, basically. The Hurricanes are at like what fifty one games, so yeah, five eighths. So it's like sixty two and a half percent ish. Yeah, I, I I was told there would be no math. <laughs> that would be um, five divided by eight. Would be sixty two. It's like sixty three something. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll trust your judgment on there, Brandon. <laughs> My question about the Hurricanes is, can Frederick Anderson stay healthy because love Auntie Ron to, but there are games in which he does not look good and the Hurricanes still win, and those games happen more regularly than I would like, and that's not something you can afford to have happen in the playoffs. Anderson hasn't been like. Vesna caliber talent like he was last year. Since, but he's he's been, got, since he's been back, he's been pretty damn good. He had a couple rough moments against the Kings, but... He's been good. The Kings game was really his only bad game. But he's the guy that gives you the best chance to win. And if he's not playing, then you don't have as good of a chance to win. Right. And I will say real quick, Ronta was very, very good against Buffalo. He was. He was. I, I won't I won't deny that in the slightest. I just, you know. But yeah, you're right. I'm agreeing with you, but he was very good back then. Yeah, just like let's let's get a more sure bet in on Anderson. Yeah. That makes total sense. And and I that was actually one of the things I was kind of workshopping for this segment as well, because if Anderson does go down or even just starts to play poorly, like you don't have a great second option. I mean, like you said, Ronta is who he is at this point in time. I mean, he played well during the Ranger series last year, but still he's not the guy you want to be riding when you have this good of a team and this good of a chance to win a Stanley cup. And Kochekov, again, I I just don't think he's quite ready. I think next year's the year for him. He was so, so good to start this season. And then things kind of went off the rails after he got banged up. 
How's he doing he, in Chicago? I honestly haven't paid any attention. He's been fine. Chicago sucks. Um, I'm it's just going to go out and say that. Right. That's, that's the thing. It's like I kind of haven't even paid attention because it's like, what am I going to glean from him playing behind that team? Yeah, the Wolves are bad. And um, part of it is because a lot of their players are hurt still. Uh, Mateos hasn't played in a while. He's not the best, but he's a checking forward. And that's something the Wolves currently have like maybe one of on their roster. Um, Kochekov's 5-1-3, though, and has won three of his four starts since getting sent down. That's not bad. Um, yeah. His, his young team, they've got, like, so many young pieces, which, is, you know, I just pulled up the stats page. It looks like Noel Gunlers continued to have a pretty good rookie year down there. Um, Ryan Suzuki has seven goals in 18 games. 11 points. Making yeah, Suzuki cool. is, is currently, you know, producing at a decent rate. Um, I'd argue he's creating a lot more chances, and a lot of them aren't going in just because the Wolves don't really have players that think as quickly as Suzuki does. But you've got Jamison Reese and Vasily Panamara playing well. Honka and Gunler are playing very well. They have talent. It's just there's some players on that team that really bring them down because right now, you know, you don't have hardly anybody on this team. Um, Mackenzie McEachern is, has been out since the fifth game of the season. Ryan Dezingle has only nine games this year, and that's bad. Like, you're missing two of the big, you know, quote, AHL veterans that you brought in, right? Yeah. And not having that veteran presence in your lineup hurts, as you can see. The Wolves wouldn't be a playoff team with them, but they'd at least not be a bottom-feeding team. Right. There's no draft picks in the AHL, so it's a shame. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's for guys like Suzuki, if he can just stay healthy the rest of the year, it's going to be huge. Just because we've talked about how much development time he's lost, it's good to see him healthy and playing well. Um, but you know, again, aside from the points, if we can just see him finish out the year and stay in the lineup, that's going to be really big. And that team, again, like you're saying, like there's no veteran presence. Like that's all about, this is such a retooling year for them and getting guys acclimated to professional hockey. So there's still a lot of good productive things that are coming from this time because so many of those young players are getting a lot of run, but yeah, they're, uh, they're tough to watch. Yeah, um, I made a joke the other night that Bourbon was really helping me get through a Wolves game. And <laughs> I wish I could say that I'm lying, but I'm not. And it's not on the coaching. Um, Brock Shahan was dealt a really tough hand this year. He was given a team that just got off a Calder Cup win and then lost like 75% of its talent, I would say. Maybe a little bit less than 75%, but still, like a, a good chunk of that team is gone. And you've got, you know, they've had so many issues with injuries. Got a lot of players who are playing in North America for the very first time this year. Um, a lot of players who maybe aren't the strongest yet, like Tiaxala and Honka. But, you know, it's all about what you're seeing, right? It's all about the growth. Like, Ronan Seeley has been great lately. He's, he's 
his this weekend he scored his first three professional goals in two games, <laughs> which is great. I love that for Sealy. He's been getting a lot of chances lately. It's just none have gone in, but now they have. He's making really good plays. I think TXL is making some smart plays. Ponomarov is playing some really good hockey. Jamison Reese has been consistent all year long. This team just has a lot of prospects on it, and you want to see some of those guys develop. Um, I'm still waiting on it from Passion. I haven't seen it yet. He's been, quite frankly, pretty bad this year. Um, so I'm hoping he develops. Um like I'm hoping the rest of the season he can just continue to grow. He has a good off season, then comes back ready to go. That's your wolves update for this week. <laughs> well, there's one thing I guess we can kind of talk about quickly as far as questions go. Because again, like I said, I had two things. That was the second thing. Really, was what's going to happen at the goaltender position with Anderson going down. So we covered the two things I had in mind. Um, I do think at least one thing to kind of keep an eye on is just where the young Hurricanes talent is heading into the playoffs. Um, Seth Jarvis, I think, has had some really good moments. He scored a beautiful goal against Boston. But by and large, I don't think he's playing great. Uh, He's not playing poorly, but he's not playing as well as he could be, more or less. So we saw how important he actually was in the playoffs last year. He was arguably the Hurricanes' best forward. So if they can start to get something like that from him on top of all the other depth they have now, that would be really big. Um, same goes for Andrei Svechnikov. You're like, you know, what's he going to look like coming out of the break? He's not going to get to just get away from hockey and decompress for a few days like some of these guys are. Um, maybe going and getting, you know, we, we know how Svech's work ethic is. Like he loves to be on the ice. He's always on the ice after games, like working on his shot, working on his hands. So maybe this is a good chance for him to go be around a bunch of star players. Maybe he's going to glean a couple things off of them. Maybe he's going to pick something up that's going to help him break out of his little, you know, well, it's not really a little goal scoring slump. It's 13 or 14 games at this point. But um, maybe he comes back, catches fire. How big would that be for the Hurricanes down the stretch? Um, so so that'll, that'll at least be something to keep an eye on in the second half quote-unquote, of the season. Um, guys like Jarvis, Sveshnikov, Tavo Terabinen, I think, is starting to play a lot better. Um, so that's been big. We, we've talked a lot about how rough he's kind of looked this year, at least compared to his standards offensively. Um, so maybe he's starting to catch fire at the right time or, or at least get back to the player we're used to him being. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Hurricanes have the depth to be a very, very big problem in the second half of the season and into the playoffs, but it's still going to be interesting to see where some of those guys end up coming out of the all-star break. Yep. Um, Really the thing to look forward to after the all-star break is the trade deadline, you know, after after that, what's when's the trade deadline? Like March second? Believe it's the third. The third, either way. That's the next thing to look forward to after the all-star break, right? Like there's there's nothing else. That's it. I mean, you know, and then after the trade deadline, what? It's college free agent season. <laughs> That's, That's always it. so overhyped because nothing ever interesting happens from that. <laughs> yes. Like the, this time of year is fun though. 
I'm excited. We'll probably have a more in-depth trade deadline episode. Maybe not next week. Maybe the week after. Because at that be- point, you Again, we, we had to push back our video. It's my fault because I haven't been feeling well the last couple of days or else I would have maybe pushed Matt to get on it. But that's a pretty good video idea right there, actually. I won't hate it. I won't hate it. Um, but yeah, other than that, folks, enjoy the break. Enjoy some time without hockey. We'll still be here, of course. But, you know, uh, congrats to Svetch on being an all-star. You know, we're very happy for him and Rod. Um be interesting to see Svetch in the speed skating competition. Not what I expected for him, yeah. but uh, noted uh, speedster Andrei Svechnikov. And he's a good skater. He's, he's powerful, but he's not quick. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a strange fit. Anyways, but, yeah, it'll be fun. Enjoy the All Star Game if you do watch it. If you don't, just enjoy some time away from hockey. If the rain stops, which I don't know if it will at this point, go outside. It's it's gonna be nice. I played golf yesterday and it was horrible. It was like 40 degrees and wet. (laughs) I was going to say, that just sounds miserable. I'm sorry. Shut up, folks. Folks, anyways, thank you. We appreciate you. And it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.